Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason, and I'm from California, living in beautiful Wuhan, China. And today with me is Bebe. Yes. Hi. Hi, Jason. Hi, our dear listeners. I'm going to talk funny today because <laughs> my my lips are all like dried up. And I so don't be oh. too funny today, Jason. I can't laugh. <laughs> Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. Well, I just had a bunch of sugar, so I'll try not to okay. be. It's going to be difficult. Wait, what's wrong with sugar? Like, do you still get, like, sugar? Uh, what do you call those? Like, kids got, get hyper from eating too much sugar? Do you get that, too? Yeah. You know what I do is I, I go for a ride, like, a couple hours before we have our show to make sure I can burn off the calories. Really? And then, right before the show, I have, like, a big chocolate mocha so that like i'm revved up for our conversations <laughs> and like ah let's go <laughs> see that's the secret behind jason's shows you know you, you have your own like ritual <laughs> well you gotta and burn the calories off first otherwise you know it's bad <laughs> for me it's different i gotta save my calories because i burn them off like crazy just on normal days like i mm, burn them mm. off just by breathing so <laughs> wow. I wish I, I wish I had a, your metabolism, but no, I have to put the work in. All right. So what's the exciting topic for today, Jason? We both read an article about Powerball and how it had gotten up to 630 million earlier this month. So I wanted to talk about the American dream because I think this is a really good moment in time when a lot of Americans are looking around and they're struggling. And, and you know, there's half a million homeless people in the United States today. And people are being kicked out of their homes because the government has said, okay, landlords can now do that because the pandemic is starting. Well, I don't know. I guess it's not really starting to come to a close. Mm -hmm. But the government kind of closed all those loopholes and landlords can now evict people who weren't, haven't been paying their rent. Really? And wages are like, there's a big battle for wages. I thought this would be the perfect opportunity to examine what is going on with the American Wait, wait, wait. Let me rewind a little bit, okay? You just said a lot sure, of things. Sure, sure. <laughs> you mentioned something about... Yeah. The jack what? The jackpot. Jack oh, the oh, jackpot. Okay. It's called the Powerball jackpot. It's like a huge jackpot of money. It's it's gambling. You basically you buy a ticket for the lottery and in different states. Okay, it's the lottery. Okay. It's the lottery. Right. It's the lottery. But you know, some of that goes to pay for like school and education and stuff. That's how they justify it. But some people spend way too much money on it. But occasionally someone becomes rich often i hear mm. the story is they lose their money overnight because they don't know what to do with a bunch of money or at least that's that's like the <laughs> the word on the street yeah i don't think the average person knows what to do with 630 million dollars mm. you know? that that sounds like a lot of money i'm not gonna count the zeros so we start with that and then you mentioned something about now landlords are able to evict their renters now yes that's right because i know that in the past there's like usually there's like a long time of negotiation and you can't just like you know ask them to move out well you know there's, now that. They there's can. that those are law them it's not that they've changed the law like state to state or like federally or anything like that or in any particular township or or, or anything like that the thing is the federal government made a like it's the same thing as the student loans they froze student loans so that payment 
payments were still happening, but it was like zero interest is accruing. So people don't have to make their student loan payments after the pandemic started so that a lot of people wouldn't have to be burdened with being at home, Mm -hmm. quarantined and trying to pay bills they couldn't pay. Mm. So they also made it temporarily illegal uh, for landlords to evict their tenants that had not been paying rent. So, so they, because they didn't want people to just like mm. not have a job and be out on the streets. So the, the federal government put like temporarily made it illegal for landlords to evict their tenants. Now, some tenants continued to pay their rent, but you know, some tenants, they couldn't. Struggle, right. They hadn't had no job mm. anymore and they needed to stay home. So they just didn't pay their rent and landlords became outraged mm-hmm. because they're losing money too. Right. And actually, I guess they're the only ones really losing money in this situation. But like the gov- federal government put some money aside in one of their packages to help subsidize the rent for landlords who were doing this. At any rate, it ran up. Mm-hmm. And so you have a lot of people that have been evicted recently. Mm. And you have right now, this is not this is not actually a huge change. I think there's like over the last decade, there's roughly been about the same amount of homeless people. Mm-hmm. But there are still, and this is a huge number, half a million mm. homeless people in the United States. And there are these programs like the, even Arnold Schwarzenegger famously went down to right. Los Angeles recently. Mm-hmm. And he started, uh, he paid for like 20 25 of these mini homes, these mm. super tiny mini homes for right. ho- for homeless veterans. Mm. But, you know, th- that's great. And uh, thank you, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm. It shows what a wonderful person you are. Right. 25 homes for 25 veterans is not even a dent mm-hmm. in a half a million people wide problem. So mm. as great it is, as it is, and thank you, Arnold Schwarzenegger, for doing that for some people who obviously needed a place to live, mm-hmm. that is not solving the problem. Mm. You know, that's a complicated issue. And sometimes it's... Uh, it's hard for a lot of Chinese people to believe that because when we think of America, you know, that's the land of opportunity. It's like where everybody is rich. <laughs> um, so it's um, the streets are paved with gold. <laughs> exactly. You know, uh, of course, now with the Internet and TV, everything, we know that that's not true. <laughs> but still, it's shocking sometimes to see that, you know, to see homeless people living on the street. That's just not the image of America. Mm. For most uh, Chinese people, Mm. I think one time I was in California. That's like, I think when I was in college and um, I actually started talking with a homeless person. Now, of course, I was a little afraid, timid, because, you know, I was at a strange place. I didn't know anybody. And but this guy started talking to me and he seemed homeless and he was homeless. Uh, We chatted a little bit. And I think he said it all started when he lost his job. Right. Rent was expensive. And once you lose uh, your apartment, like, where would you go? Mm-hmm. Well, the answer, of course, in Chinese society would be that you go back to your parents. <laughs> right. <laughs> or your parents don't want you. <laughs> well, that's not likely, <laughs> for, first of all. And then you, you have your aunts and uncles. Mm-hmm. Or you have your cousins. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I think this is the family social net that we have here in China. Mm-hmm. Like there's somebody you can go to some even if it's extended family. Well, I think you're right. There are huge numbers of homeless people that probably could. But there's also in America, you know, there's a lot of uh, mental illness among the homeless mm. people. A lot of that has to not a lot of it. Some of it has to do with soldiers with post-traumatic stress disorder, which right. what they used to call shell shocked. You know, that's what they call mm. it in World War One. These mm-hmm. people essentially... 
they're, some of them are actually afraid for their own loved ones. So they're a homeless man mm. or woman, and they're afraid that they're going to hurt their own family. Mm-hmm. So they voluntarily, in some cases, become homeless or be, or they move into drugs or alcohol and things. Some of them are actually, they're scared because they wake up and they grab a knife. Uh. And they're afraid that they're going to hurt their loved ones. Mm. And so these people who have been in war for a long time, mm-hmm. they end up just on the street because they're, they're legitimately concerned they're going to hurt their own family in some cases. Obviously, a lot of vets are come back and they're well adjusted mm-hmm. and they're living well in society. And this isn't a, like a problem for all of them. But some of them uh, have very difficult time readapting to society, mm. you know, reacclimating to just like hanging out in the suburbs instead of like driving a tank across Ooh, the desert. Okay. Or whatever. Well, the start of our show is a bit on the dark and somber side. Shall we lighten the mood a little bit? <laughs> When I was, you know, growing up, my parents, actually, I was sitting in a diner and I don't know, I was 16 years old and my mm-hmm. my dad, he owned a construction company and he had a friend named Randy mm-hmm. and Randy was trying to reassure my father that his construction business was going to be just fine because mm-hmm. the American dream. So he turned to me and he said, what's the American dream? And I said, I don't know, having like 2.8 children or something like he said, <laughs> he said, no, no, no. What else is it? I said, I don't know. Owning a house, maybe. And he said, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. See, I told you. And he just he's talking to my dad he's just using me as an example he's everyone needs wants a home everyone wants to be a homeowner and have a family and they would have two and some percentage children and so like Mm. (laughs) and so like don't forget the white picket fence and the dog right exactly my you know my mom has that my mom has a white picket fence so she's living the dream but anyways that was the dream that was the dream at some point Mm -hmm. but it's changed in a lot of different ways Hmm. like um i think it's become more of a fantasy more and more people are just renting you know more than ever before wages are stagnant Mm -hmm. against inflation especially with i mean firstly they're just stagnant Mm -hmm. then they're stagnant against inflation and now inflation is skyrocketing Mm -hmm. and actually we're seeing we're seeing so much demand. Wages are actually starting to just creep up now, right. just this year, just in the last couple months. Mm-hmm. I've heard about that. Wait, so you were talking about the American dream. Mm. Now, the American dream, I think, like, I have, like, the perfect picture, right, of the American dream. Like, anybody can go to America and start from nothing. No, if you just work hard enough, you do the right thing, and you save, um, you're going to be able to buy your house, Right. And you know, you're going to have like 2.8 kids and then a dog or you have you know, two cars. That's like, you know, the American dream. But just as you mentioned, maybe that's an outdated version mm. of the American dream. Mm-hmm. I think that's very nice. Right. But then nowadays in the news, and this is not just in the States, but also in China, mm-hmm. like people are fascinated by um, these outliers. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. These billionaires, mm-hmm. um, like men, millionaires won't cut it anymore. <laughs> it's got to be like billionaires, mm. people who are so out of the ordinary. Right. But they loom large in, you know, normal people's lives because of, you know, the Internet. They're everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the American dream that that's in my mind is like, ah, it's like, you know, yeah, yeah, it's all right. But this is what we want, mm. right? We want to be the next, who, like Jeff Bezos or Bezos. <laughs> we want to be the next Elon Musk or Mark Zuckerberg. You know, that's like the dream, not just for Americans, but for a lot of other people. Mm. But mm. I've I've been wondering, like, what's wrong with the the steady, the peaceful middle class life? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, because the 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 dream American dream we were describing sounded like mm-hmm. the middle class, 
right? Maybe even upper middle class, you know, if we can just uh, boost our dreams a little bit, right? That's, that's good enough, right? Isn't that good enough? Now it's like, no, 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 right? You got to be a billionaire to, uh, you got to shoot for the moon. No, why, right? Uh, I think it's actually a little, it's, it's dissonance. It's a dissonance because people's reality, the way that they're living now is less wonderful than their parents' generation and their grandparents' generation. You know, my father, there was no concern. Mm. Everyone in his generation who was healthy and worked hard, they did have a home. And like one mm-hmm. one single family member could work and provide mm-hmm. for their entire family. Now you have every member right. of the family working and they can barely pay the bills. And I think what mm. you're talking about is like the fantasy. And it's not the dream. See, mm-hmm. the, the American dream used to be every American would have this, would get a suburban home or whatever, or, or an mm-hmm. apartment in the city or, and have cars and family and everything would be fine. The American dream was mm-hmm. that all the Americans would be fine. But now because mm-hmm. it's not fine, now we get like the American fantasy. So you look at mm. these super successful people that, you know, what are they? What like less than one percent of the population of people, and they have mm-hmm. everything anyone could ever want. Their own islands. Their Be- Bezos is <laughs> is building a yacht with a yacht that follows his yacht and is a supply yacht, and then he can fly his helicopter <laughs> from one yacht to the other because his new girlfriend likes <laughs> helicopters. So okay, Gee. that is not a t- his life sounds too complicated for me. No thanks. <laughs> That's not tenable for you know three hundred and twenty one million no. American people. Obviously, it's very misleading. It's, it is, right. yeah. So you have all of these like TV shows and movies that glorify being super, super wealthy. I mm-hmm. think because people need escapism. People they go to their home. Hopefully, you know, <laughs> they mm-hmm. go to their home and they have a home, and then they look at their life and they're like, "I need to escape." So they watch these. They binge watch TV shows on the internet. I guess now on like mm-hmm. all these different plus channels, and they they pretend in their mind that this is their life or that they're connected to these fantasies somehow. Well, see, uh, for our Chinese listeners listening to our show, Jason just explained the difference between uh, dream and fantasy. (laughs) 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 It's like fantasy is even like more untrue or unattainable. Mm, mm, Yeah. Yeah, But, you know, this is something I've noticed um, in the States, but also in China a little bit. You know how a lot of these super rich people, um, in recent years, especially in the past year or two, there are there are these people, uh, not a great number of them, who became super rich selling things online. Hmm. You know, like in the states, they have they have TV commercials, right? Um, hmm. They've had you've had it for decades, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But that's something new for the Chinese. Um, hmm. Not TV commercials, but you know, like they they sell things on TV. What do you call them? Commercials. Like they'll show you jewelry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you mean the, the those channels that are just there all the time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you call them? Oh, I don't know. infomercials. I think. Yeah, infomercials. I think that's what you mean. Infomercials they sell like TV. it slices, it dices, it, it's nineteen ninety five. No, it's eighteen ninety five, <laughs> and now we'll throw in a free towel that's orange. Calm that down. Up. <laughs> oh, sorry. Just, that's how they act on the. Are you talking about those shows, right? Yeah, like yeah, you yeah. have to call now. <laughs> call the number now, or else yeah, you lose the discount. Yeah, exactly. yeah, something like that. So <laughs> that's like, you know, been transplanted online. And that's how a lot of people sell things in China these days. And these just over the past year or, you know, year or two, there were a few people, maybe more than a few, who became super, super wealthy. Like, I mean, their assets are in the billions easily. 
uh, probably tens mm. and tens mm. of billions just from, you know, the past two years. Yeah, I think Elon Musk is worth 260 billion. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, he actually worked like he's been working hard for his dream. You know, for decades. So I mean, he yeah. he deserves it. But eighty hours a week should not should I don't know if eighty hours a week should not equate to two hundred and sixty billion dollars. Like I I think that there's a disconnect there. Mm-hmm. I'm with kind of like the people that say, hey, you know, you want to work eighty hours a week? Great, you should have twice as much as everyone else. Not like a thou I don't know a thousand ten times ten thousand <laughs> times yeah ten thousand times more than everyone else. That doesn't make any that the math doesn't work right. out to me. So I think both in in the states and in China the economic what do you call economic disparity like inequality mm-hmm. has yeah wealth inequality yeah it's um probably you know going to the extremes mm-hmm. and we need to do something about it mm-hmm. um i don't know what the um american government has decided to do i mean they talk about things but i don't know like they usually you don't have the follow up <laughs> i think the philosophy of the of the American government is that people should just make or break it themselves. And Mm. there's a lot of people, this is a very complicated thing and I don't want to take sides. So, but, Mm -hmm. but like a lot of Americans feel like the government's job is not to get involved in daily economics. And a lot of people are increasingly Mm -hmm. saying, Hey, actually the game's rigged now and it's not fair. So this debate is ongoing, but Mm -hmm. yeah, you're right. It's very, there's a lot of wealth disparity. There's a lot of economic inequality in the United States right now. And it's obvious. Increase increasingly obvious for more and more people. And I think that's the case in China, too, um, economic inequality. And it's uh, gone to a point where, like, everybody sees it now. <laughs> and uh, you're probably familiar with these few terms, right? Um, common prosperity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also the third um, distribution, mm-hmm. which means the third distribution of wealth. Well, it sounds, this sounds ter- probably will sound terrifying for like the American audience. You know, they'll, they'll think that, oh, they're just going to take the money from the rich and give it to the poor. <laughs> this is not. <laughs> I don't actually know who said it, but there, there was a famous American billionaire recently. I, I don't remember his name, mm-hmm. but he was actually saying America needs some of that Chinese common prosperity. Mm. And like a bunch of American economists just attacked him as soon as he said it. <laughs> I would <laughs> expect that, right. I think, I mean, there are, there are good things about market economy, right? You definitely need it. You need the freedom to develop, but up to a point, um, the ex- the inequality is inevitable. You know, that's how it's going to evolve if you leave it alone. And I think the situation in China is that we are up to a point where mm. we got to do something, right? There are people who make money from their mm-hmm. labor. You know, you you work few hours and you get paid for those few hours. So you, you know, just like regular jobs, right? And then there are people who make money from money. Mm. And it's now, um, the case is that it's much quicker and faster to make money from money than from labor. Mm. And if it keeps going like that, you know, it's like the rich, the wealth of the rich is like this snowball. They'll mm. just keep mm. snowballing, mm. right? Away from all of us, Jason. It's going away. <laughs> Their snowball getting bigger and bigger. It's going to, if he turned the other way, it's going to crush us all. <laughs> but I could get a job working on one of Bezos's yachts, baby. <laughs> well, still, you're going to be, what, what, making, what, $30, joking. $50 joking. an yeah. hour? It's not. No, no, knowing Bezos, I'll probably make a minimum wage. <laughs> and actually, we're at the ocean. I'll just, I'll just get a collar around my oh, neck. Oh, gosh. And like a chain. <laughs> no. <laughs> but seriously. He doesn't have the best reputation for treating his workers well. I know. And I, I think he probably knows it himself. But anyhow. 
Um, so the point is, if most people are going to be making money from just their labor, which is, you know, the way um, things normally should work, right? You work for your money. But then there were there were this really small percentage of people, mm-hmm. they have so much money that mm-hmm. they're able to influence the market, mm-hmm. right? And they, they make money from that money. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's easy. It's mm-hmm. not it's not easy. And they have to hire a lot of people and do that after, you know, investors and lawyers and all that. But still, um, it's a different way of, of accumulating wealth mm. from the way we do it. Mm. And if it keeps going like that, there will be nothing left for us. Mm. And then there will be what? Um, financial crisis. Because mm. we are going to be so poor, Jason. So poor that right? we won't be able to afford anything. <laughs> I think you're right. I think, you know, the problem with like the the 24 hour news cycle in the United States or even the way that like typical like smart people in quotations mm-hmm. analyze how well like the economy is doing on a daily basis. People hear about the stock market. The stock market's doing this. The stock market's doing that. Like to the normal everyday per- American person who works like all the time for like maybe a couple of dollars more than minimum wage because they're the assistant manager or whatever. Like mm-hmm. that doesn't matter to them. Like they hear about it and they're like, oh, okay, is that good or bad? I don't know. Like, and, <laughs> and like, I mean, mm. maybe you and I do under, I think you especially understand how the stock market works and I'm, I'm increasingly learning and, but eh, yeah, not really to the most, mm-hmm. to most people, it's completely irrelevant and how well someone's portfolio is doing mm. has very little to do directly with like how well someone who works at Applebee's is doing. Right. Like, mm. so like, it's really frustrating that the way that see, because you, you said they use their influence. These these wealthy people have made the news cycles about mm. them, about their investments. We don't talk as much about how the little person is the what they could say, the little guy, mm-hmm. the little guy is doing as much as they talk about how well, like people who have mad amounts of stocks are doing. Right. You hear more about Elon Musk, who I actually respect, mm-hmm. but you hear more about his, the wealth that he has. Then you hear about like the daily life mm. of, you know, us, <laughs> Joe and Grand- Grandma and Smith or whatever. Like, yeah, in Kentucky. In, yeah, in Kansas. Yeah. You don't hear as much about the needs of the people as you hear about the needs of the elite. People. Yeah. See, um, that's why I, I think it's um, so misleading, you know, when we started our conversation. And also, you know, here, maybe I'll start talking a little bit about how uh, the media can really, the power and influence of the media, you can really sway people in ways that you don't realize. Um, I'm not going to venture into the power of the media, but I think it's important um, when it comes to shaping our our minds, like what our expectations are. Mm. I want to say that I respect the way um, most people make money. You know, you you have a job or if it's your own company or own job, that's fine. And you work for your money. Um, and that's why in China, I think there's a general direction is moving things away from um, the virtual mm-hmm. world into the real economy. Because as you were talking, you know how every day you watch TV, watch the news, and it's all about the stock market. But that's like away from our everyday lives, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of it is, uh, as they say, not grounded in reality. I mean, the stocks are influenced by how people feel. But if if they fear something, like if they fear mm-hmm. that this company is not going to do well, the the stock prices will drop. Nothing has changed about that company. Mm-hmm. It's just I feel like they're not going to make it, and then they they'll start selling. Mm-hmm. But in the you know real world, uh, in China we call 实体经济, like the real economy, mm-hmm. people that are actually mm-hmm. manufacturing things. Yeah. 
producing things. We gotta eat, man. Yeah. Right? You can watch your TV or you know put on your whatever Google glasses and live <laughs> in that world, but you still gotta eat. Somebody's gonna make that food, and somebody has to manufacture that glasses <laughs> that you're wearing.、Mm. Um, so there's definitely you can sense this pivot. At least in intentions in in China,、um, to move away a little bit from all that fantasy and let's you know get back to reality here.、Mm-hmm. Do you feel it like here in China? You hear that in the news, right? Well, I hear about like、uh, yeah, regulating the internet to some extent, but I also know that there are a lot of companies、uh, like Bing that are hugely invested now in the metaverse or whatever they're calling it, which you know is all I've never used it. I mean, actually, I've been told I do use it, but I I don't use it in the、mm-hmm. way that they're thinking about it. I don't have like ocular you know things,、uh, goggles and things. You know, I、mm-hmm. actually don't watch TV at all personally. I barely watch TV. I just watch if something is super super popular,、mm-hmm. uh, then I'll watch that really quickly and I'll be、like, oh okay cool. But generally, I don't watch TV like most weeks. <laughs> a whole week will pass by. I don't watch a, a minute of TV.、Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I like to go on online and read the news. And like go onto different like、mm. platforms and goof around a little bit, maybe、mm-hmm. less than an hour a day or something, you know,、mm-hmm. for that kind of stuff. But you know, like people, the everyday person is not invested, literally, literally invested in the stock market, and they're not invested in investing. They, I think, people want to be a fair system、mm. where if they work enough, that they should have their basic needs met,、mm-hmm. that they should be able to provide a home for their family, that they should be able to provide, you know, like me- necessary medical procedures for their family. That they education, clothes, food,、right. education. Yeah, people's basic minimum needs. The reality in history, and history shows us over and over again. Firstly, Hegel said. I thought this was really interesting. Hegel once said,、mm-hmm. "The one thing we learn from history is that people don't learn from history." <laughs> But second, secondarily, the reality is when people's needs are not met, that's when the people start to show up.、Yep. You know, they're hey, what's going on?、Mm-hmm. This is not working out,、mm-hmm. and then they want to change the system. So. The United States and anyone, any place in the world, which you know has massive a massive wealth divide, really need they need to reevaluate.、Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I ha- sure I have a you know ten billion dollars, but is this a, the best idea for me?、Mm. It might seem in the short term, yay, I can fly around in my helicopter、mm-hmm. or whatever. But like, actually, you're not going to be able to fly around in the helicopter if other people's needs are not met because、right. society won't fu- function properly. They might shoot you down out of hatred. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't. I didn't want to say that far, but maybe people are going to be on strike or something. They're not going to be like, "Oh, we're not making your cat, your helicopters well, anymore, but buddy." But we are.、Um, <laughs> we're not too far from the reality because from reading hmm,、um, hmm. this, one of the thickest book I've ever read is、uh, "Capital in the Twenty First Century,"、hmm. and in it, basically, the whole idea is that when economic inequality gets to be so huge. That the people、um, at the bottom can't take it anymore,、mm. and probably they don't have much, nothing much to lose anyway.、Mm. And when it gets to that point,、uh, something huge will happen. Either it's economic crisis, right? We've seen that, or world wars mm, mm, mm. that helps to wipe out the inequality. The、mm. human race will find ways、mm. to equalize things.、Mm. And if you like, if、uh, the yeah, government yeah. in these countries they, they don't take care of it. Something else will happen,、mm. and we've seen that again and again、yeah. in history.、Mm.
so, you know, one thing that's really interesting about America, we, we were briefly talking about media and, and the wealth divide. What's really interesting is if you go and there's two wings. Well, that's not really true, but a very simple way of looking at the American political divide is that there are two wings, mm. and which comes from the French Revolution. Anyway, the right side... They actually really despise super wealthy folks. The, the the majority of those voters, they were like, we don't like elites and they seem to be trying to run this country. Mm -hmm. And then they have their own narrative about why that is and how to solve it that comes from the mainstream media. Mm. And then you go to the left side and most of them are like, oh, we want, you know, there to be better policies for ac better economic distribution mm -hmm. for people. And we don't like those elite people who are using us for, uh, for labor. Mm -hmm. And like they have their own narratives that are controlled by the mainstream media. Mm. And the reality is everyone that is not enfranchised mm. who is disenfranchised is upset at the elite wealthy people who are like making it impossible for them to meet, have their American dream needs mm. once met mm. and the problem really is that the media has become really good at dividing people up and making them mm. think it's the other other poor people's fault mm -hmm. oh that's a really good point See, that's, mm. that's something that's very different here in China. Um, the media doesn't really play that role, and especially not on purpose. Mm. Like here, uh, we don't like pitching things against each other. You know, that's something fundamentally different between uh, American culture and Chinese culture. Chinese culture, everywhere you go, it's like <laughs> harmony, dude, peace, harmony. Mm. <laughs> you know, that's like the ultimate goal. Everything else, even wealth, mm. in the end, serves this goal, right? I feel like maybe in other um, more uh, capitalist um, countries, like wealth is the ultimate goal. Everybody wants to be rich and they think that's the end. You know, that's mm. where uh, I want to be. But not really in Chinese culture. You know, Chinese culture, wealth is used mm. to live a better life. You know, this sounds really simple, right? Sounds like common sense. But a lot of people in their pursuit of wealth, mm. they forget why they need wealth, right? I need wealth so I can live well, so my family mm. can live well, so we don't have to worry about um, losing our homes or not being able to treat our uh, problems if we, if we fall sick. That's the you know, purpose of having wealth. So I, I think in China, um, because people are so tied up with their family and social nets, um, they don't really think of um, um, wealth as the ultimate, at least. No, I'm not talking about everybody, of course. For example, like me, right? Mm -hmm. Wealth mm -hmm. is not the ultimate goal. It's so that everybody I know, my friends and family and the people can live a decent life. Yeah. And I think if your goal is, is different, um, how you see wealth will be a little different. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I completely understand. Okay, okay, good. You know, there are a lot of famous uh, philosophers, even like ancient philosophers that just like talk about, you know, if you have the simplest of things, I, th I think it was that Cicero said, uh, if you have a garden and a library, you have everything you need. Ooh, <laughs> so nice. there, but there's lots and lots of other famous ancient people, modern people mm -hmm. who talk about contentment is about you, you, what you're talking about, about what you want, about controlling what you want. If you can have a home and you can have a family and you can have like your basic needs met, you know, mm -hmm. and have security and know that that's going to continue into the foreseeable future, then you have everything that you need. You don't need need a yacht and mm. two helicopters because you divorced your wife and you need to entertain your new girlfriend's <laughs> fantasy of having a helicopter, Mr. Bezos. Sounds like you're just <laughs> jealous, Jason. <laughs> no, what I'm are you going to see from I'm your kidding. helicopter? It's blue. The ocean is blue. You can see that from the side. <laughs> right. I can see it from the internet. <laughs>
Anyhow, <laughs> um, ever since last year or the year before, is that our goal is toward common prosperity、mm. instead of just you know the um point one. It's not just point one percent now. It's point like zero zero one percent now.、Mm. If things keep going that way,、mm. right? If things keep going that way, it will be like the ninety nine point nine 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 percent. Pitching against that point zero 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 one percent who owns like most of the wealth, and、um, that's not where we want to go. We've decided that's not where we're gonna. That's not where we are going to go.、Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the thing, the way it works here in, in China,、uh, this is just my personal feel of how it works. Okay, you know, you know, there's this balance between. Um, government ish- initiatives, policies, and individual free will, right?、Mm. And in most cases, it finds its own balance, right? As you said, o-、uh, over there in the states, people don't want you know government intervention, right? They want to be left alone until things are out of balance for real,、mm-hmm. right? And、yeah. then you feel like, hey, somebody's got to build a road here. Or we need some text、uh, change in text policy now, right? Because you know the super rich pay the lowest test text that doesn't make any sense.、Mm. Um, so up to a point, you will feel like maybe the government should do something. There's always this balance between、um, you know the state and the individual.、Um, and here, I my feeling is that you know things will be going in one direction for a while. And up to a point, we feel like okay, maybe we are venturing out of the comfort zone, or venturing out of a、uh, the zone where things should be proper, and and we're heading to some extreme. But、um, as a you know, in contrary to what people in the states think that the Chinese government just come in and do things, no, it's not like that. You know, they they wait. <laughs>、um, I feel like you know the Chinese government,、uh, especially the central government, is very patient. They're very patient and cool-headed. You know, they'll watch for things. They'll feel how the people feel, and when things get to a point where they feel like, okay, maybe the you know the people can't really resolve it anymore,、mm-hmm. or、mm-hmm. it's up to a point where if we don't do anything, things are gonna tip,、mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and then that's when they will come out and say. You know, send out a message. It's not like they come out with you know bats and just <laughs> force people to do things. I feel like I feel like people in the West they feel like that's how the Chinese government works. This is so not true,、mm. right? They will send out a message. Right? You will, for example, was it last year or the year before? And we started to hear about common prosperity,、mm. right? We didn't hear that. Ten years ago,、mm-hmm. or maybe we did, but it's not as the message wasn't as strong, so people didn't pay attention.、Mm-hmm. And then later on, we started hear, oh, third round of distribution, distribution of what? A distribution of wealth.、Mm-hmm. Um, and how are they going to take people from money from the rich? No, no, no. That's not how they're going to do it. And the third round, it's first of all, it's a message, right? It's a message telling you that, oh, you know, we're at a point. Where things are going to tip if we don't do things, so everybody become aware of this problem,、mm-hmm. and also aware of the fact that okay, maybe the nation is coming together to do something, right? Um, in, in putting our efforts together, and when it comes the to the、uh, to Commonwealth and the third round of distribution, um, it's more about you know charity works. Mm-hmm. And also,、um, how the wealth,、uh, how you know the wealthy, they are encouraged to contribute back to the society. 
That sounds very yeah. nice, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I have an app for that on my phone. So, you know, you really? have WeChat, right? You, if you uh-huh. if you have if you if you roll your WeChat down, there's a bunch of little tiny mini apps inside of WeChat. Really? And one of them is shaped like a red heart. You can click on that and you can donate from your WeChat whenever you ha- are in the mood to. And they have a list of different charities that that, that oh. are approved by the government that are like legitimately overseen and watched and stuff. Really? And so I you can never- just like anytime you feel like, oh, man, I, I should be doing more. Mm. You could literally just open WeChat and drop some money in. Wow. I didn't and know feel that. better about yourself. Well, yeah. thank you for telling yeah. me about that. Um, but see, as I was saying, um, that's the way, you know, I feel like the way the government here does things. Right? They don't come in before you are ready. Okay? they'll Maybe they'll send a message when enough people have been complaining about something. They know that the general mood of the people. They're very sensitive to the general mood of the people. And then they will uh, roll out policies to test things out. You know, how are people responding to this? Is this, you know, catering to your needs? <laughs> and then uh, you will probably hear more concrete policies or how things should be done. Um, it's very different from what, you know, a lot of people in the West envision um, the, the, you know, the Chinese government uh, does things. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, one of the things that in America, before I came over, this is something like I told my Mm. grandma, she was really old at the time already. She was like 85 or Mm. something. And I said, yeah, I'm moving to China. And she said, you know, they're communists <laughs> as though it was like a bad word or something. Oh, but, you know, gosh. when I when, when I arrived in China, firstly, there is wealth here. You know, you're right. There, I see Lamborghinis and Porsches all the time, BMWs and mm-hmm. all of those really lovely cars. One of the things that happened was that the end of absolute poverty in China during the time in which I was here, mm-hmm. it had been obviously something that the, the Chinese government had been working on for decades. Right. But in, it's not the end of poverty, but it's the end of like the extreme poverty where someone is literally starving right. yeah someone poverty. does not have water someone mm-hmm. does not have food they cannot survive that's mm. gone that's ended in china mm. it's completely gone right. and that happened in what two years ago 2020 i think it was the towards- 2020 yeah it was at the end they set a goal for that exactly right? exactly mm. and it, they had accomplished that and they did it by using a lot of different tools it wasn't just w- one thing it wasn't just like the the party came out and said okay this is what's got to happen you give your money to that guy no <laughs> or whatever like you're talking about <laughs> so funny. <laughs> no it's called targeted poverty alleviation um each village well, you know it was very different right each family in its own case exactly well that's a huge yeah, topic yeah. Right? Had different tools in some cases they were actually homes that were built by the government to help mm. some tribes move some from places that were harder to help them mm-hmm. to places where it would be easier for them to take here's right. your brand new home exactly Here, you know it's got all the amenities and in some cases it was just building relocating a factory mm. or building a new power plant in a place where people needed jobs mm-hmm. and so like a lot of it is there's just a whole toolkit of different ideas and different structures to eliminate absolute poverty to where to the point where yes there's poverty of course just like in America or just like in any country mm-hmm. but there's no there're no people starving right. there there're no people that cannot take care of themselves from day to day and there are paths forward you you show people hope and that's how they will strive for something better there's like no way out they're not going to even uh work toward a better future and also, can I just say something about what you were saying um, about your grandma? Hmm. So um, when it comes to the uh, the Chinese Communist Party, like I know that it's almost like taboo, right, in the States. 
It's like whenever you mention it, people kind of just freeze. It's not like that. <laughs> this is, you know, <laughs> for us, it's a funny reaction to um to the Chinese Communist Party. Do you know like how many members there are in the Chinese Communist Party? Like nine ninety eight million. It's a roughly hundred like, million. Roughly like over ninety million Communist Party members. In that's the number in twenty twenty. Yeah. So the the point and the, and these people they're not like above you. They are the people. They are among the yeah, people. Yeah, I know a lot. I know. I know a lot of people who are members. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're really cool people. So this misconception that you know the Communist Party is like above the people, or you know they are like. I don't think it actually has anything to do with the Chinese Communist Party. What it has to do with was the 1950s, the McCarthy era. Right. So in America, America, <laughs> it has it has nothing to do with the fact that China's government is socialist and that the Chinese government wants to help the people. And has everything to do with the biases that are. In inherently built into the American cult, political and cultural. In 1984, yeah, yeah, it did a it, lot of damage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like these misconceptions were built in America. They weren't built in China. They weren't built in right. Russia. They were built in the American political and ideological like that echo, echo chamber. Have. That they, right. they look over at China. Oh my gosh, they call themselves communists. This is bad. <laughs> but it has nothing to do with the fact that, you know, you come to, I guarantee anyone who comes to China from the United States, any reasonable person anyway, mm. is going to wa look around and say, Wow, I why can't America be like this? So, you know, <laughs> well, <let laughs> you know, me just... I gotta tell, I gotta tell, well, let me, let me, let me, okay, okay, uh, sure. I, I actually have <laughs> found my, I'm finding my American dream here in China. Mm -hmm. I was in America and it was drowning in the system of, of rules and like mm. overdraft fees and like credit card, like oh, yeah. interest rates. And I moved to China, I'm like, I'm going to have my own home and a retirement pension and savings mm. and like I can take care of myself and like everything that I was told that I should get as an American in America, I'm actually going to get here in China. Wow. I, I'm able to, the American dream is alive and well in China. Mm. So for all of, all of the folks in America who are struggling to pay their credit card debt because their interest rate is 17.9%, <laughs> you are living in the wrong system. <laughs> Jason knows the details. And now you guys, yeah. all you need are 2.8 kids <laughs> and a dog. Well, but anyhow, um, mm. let me just wrap up with what I was saying about the party. Because sure, sure, I think sure. there's such fear mm. in the U.S., especially about the Communist Party. Like, that, that's completely unfounded. It's, it's not like that here in China. Here are the Chinese Communist Party members. They are your, literally, like your sisters and brothers, your uncles, right? Your neighbors. Mm. They're over 90 million, like, party members. Mm. They are a part of the people. Mm. They're selected um, by meritocracy, by your moral standards. It's a, there's a long process of selection, right? You don't just become a party member. And by becoming a party member, you bear, you do, you still do your job. Right? You could be a police officer, you could be a teacher, whatever you are doing. You could be a nurse um, or you could be a freelancer, you know. And, but besides what you do, I think there's more of a uh, moral mm, responsibility, I would say. Mm, mm. It's like at the start of the pandemic, right, when people didn't know what was going on. And uh, I remember in, the, remember in the first hospital where this happened in Wuhan, um, and, and, the, and the team, the national team went there and they were like, OK, so the doc doctors, they have been working super hard for the past, uh, you know, week or weeks. And now um, all the communist members stand up. Right. Come forward. This is the time for you uh, to take the, you know, the baton and do the work. Baton. So that's 
baton, to take the baton and do the work. So, you know, in cases like this, it's the communist uh, party members um, who have to, you know, stand forward and Mm -hmm. take the responsibility. Mm -hmm. And everything else is pretty much the same with with Mm -hmm. people who are non-members. So, I mean, I could give so many more examples, but I just, there's such a misunderstanding of um, the the CCP over there in the West. I just want to spend a few minutes clarifying. I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, what we were talking about just before you went into your long defense was the <laughs> I wanted to kind of connect at the end of absolute poverty. Right. Mm-hmm. To a couple of different things. Firstly, you know, the U.N. statistics for the people, amount of people in poverty went down. Mm. And that's because of what happened inside of China. Right. China was like, OK, you can tick us off at that, uh, out of that box. <laughs> and yeah. so like you, the U.N.'s like, look how great the U.N. is. But actually, really, a lot of that was just China. Mm. So, so another thing is so like the end of absolute poverty was just a step, you know, in a process towards, you know, we're talking about now creating this moderately prosperous society. Mm-hmm. Well, all that really is, is language saying, okay, we're not stopping. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to continue with all the people who needs still need to be more met, who could be living a better life, who could still be mm-hmm. better contributors to society and mm-hmm. have a stronger like uh, lifestyles. We're going to continue to raise that up for the people who need the most help. Mm. So it's not it's not like that. Twenty twenty happened, and they're like, "Okay, cheers, bust out the champagne." <laughs> it's it's more like, "Okay, put the champagne away. That's expensive. Let's keep funneling help and resources." Maybe a little bit of rice wine. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> so let's keep funneling resources into people who can t- still could be doing better. Mm -hmm. And so the end of absolute poverty was just a step. And now it's this, the new term is create a moderately prosperous society for all people. Right. And that I think that's very admirable. And that takes not just uh, more wealth, the creation of more wealth, but better distribution. Right, right. You know, I I just finished reading the book called Poor Economics. Mm. And um, so a lot of that is focused on India, right? Poor people Mm, in India mm. about why they are poor and how we can help. Um, and in one part, it mentioned that we actually have enough food in the world. The problem is not that uh, we don't have enough food mm, for the poor. Mm. It's that the distribution is not working. Right. Yeah. We're not getting the resources and not just food. Like the poor doesn't just want more rice. <laughs> they, <laughs> the, <laughs> some people feel, oh, the, you know, these are poor people. Let's give them more rice and, you know, or more flour just or soybean, whatever. No, you know, they are just like us. They, their life is not just about having three meals a day. They need their, um, you know, their, their psychology needs, their mental needs, mm, um, mm, mm. entertainment needs. They all have to be there to have a, you know, a decent life. So um, what my point was, sometimes it's not about, it's not that there is not enough wealth. It's the distribution is wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's where this third round distribution comes in here in China. You know, we don't know how the U.S. should distribute. You know, that's the problem of the U.S. government. But here in China, we are up to a point where we need to rethink, you know, how we are going to use all the wealth that's been created in the past three to four decades. There has been a lot, right? But if it's not uh, smartly uh, or, you know, distributed, there still will be people who will starve or 
uh, barely out of poverty. And there will be other people who don't know what to do with all the money they've got. Hmm. So um, China, I mean, next phase, that's what we're it started already. Mm-hmm. That's where we're going to mm-hmm. focus on. But we don't have time to, you know, go into the details. Um, it's But in general, I think the people here know that that's the direction we're headed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. can't be going in the direction of greater inequality. Yeah. You know, that's got to uh, be mitigated. You know, talking about like, you know, the the American psyche about like what's going on in China, what's going on in America and other places around the world. I think like Americans might be surprised that, you know, the Amer- a lot of American people are like really seriously dissatisfied with the performance of their government on every different political party, every different aspect of American culture. People are generally very dissatisfied mm. with how the government is performing. I think a lot of people are confused about, and this, this is something we could help people understand, is that in China, people are legitimately really, really happy with the performance of the Chinese government in China. Mm-hmm. Chinese people love their leaders. They love the direction Respect that they're going. Them. They love the, right. the choices that they're making and the ways that they're managing managing society mm-hmm. is extremely well loved respected i mean the leaders are not just beloved because they're told that they need to be loved or something <laughs> they're loved because everybody can see in their everyday life every single day right. that their lives are getting better and that the decisions that are being making made are having a positive effect on everyone right and also i think it starts with um the government being sensitive to the people's needs mm, mm, mm. i mean i don't know how to define um democracy in every in different countries i think people's conception of democracy is a little can be a little different right i mean in the states people think of their electoral system doing how every person adult can have a vote but in china here our understanding of democracy is that what we say what we need count like somebody listens. Mm, yeah. And that's how we feel. The government is extremely sensitive to people's needs. And that's our understanding of democracy. And they will respond to your needs. You're right. But if you also look at the history of thinkers in like the West, you have Machiavelli. Mm-hmm. So you have this guy who's basically telling you how to be a ruthless leader <laughs> and how to make, guarantee that you are going to maintain your rulership over No people. matter what. And in China, you have... You have Confucius and Monksius mm. who are talking about how to be moral leaders and make sure that the people love you and that their needs are met and taken care of so right. so that they trust the, the leadership. So you have a completely it's, different right. set of philosophies about how to govern people. Like exactly. In, in each, it's, um, yeah. That's my understanding. You know, when I took a course uh, back in college, I think, in philosophy, that's just entry level. But it was difficult enough. I mean, the language is hard to read. But it's all it's it's more about, you know, thinking clearly. Right. It's about more about thinking logically to make th- make sense of things. And then when I started reading Chinese philosophy, it's like completely different in Chinese philosophy. They're always talking about how to be a good person, now, how to be benevolent. Or, yeah. yeah, how to be benevolent. I think that's probably a, you know, a better word. And how especially how to be um, a good leader. Right. What does it mean to be a good leader and how to be a good leader? It's like there are like two sets of philosophy here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like they're, you know, these philosophers sit in their own, I don't know, yard or hole, whatever, <laughs> caves in the mountain. And they think about completely different things. I want to meet a philosopher who lives in a hole. You did? <laughs> like, no, I said I, I want to find a oh. philosopher that's living in a hole. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, like somewhere quiet where sure. they can... 
stay away from their wives <laughs> and kids and think. <laughs> but that's I, I'm happy that you mentioned that because that's how I feel too. You know, like generations of um, philosophers, especially the ancient ones, they spend so much time thinking about how we could be responsible citizens、mm-hmm. and how we can be、uh, effective but benevolent. Um, rulers mm, of the mm, state. Mm, mm, mm. History matters here in China. It really, really, really matters. Like the people、mm. respect history, and if you listen to speeches by、uh, like top leaders here in China,、um, often they will have phrases that are hard to translate <laughs> because <laughs> they're referring to something. Um, like ancient philosophers said,、uh, or they quote poems. Yeah, that's yeah. why if you want to be like a translator. For、um, you know, like high up leaders in China,、mm-hmm. you you gotta be you gotta memorize like thousands of poems or、um, these famous things. <laughs> yeah, I know my kid, my kids, all these kids that are like five years old, like can. And、mm-hmm. my kid, I, I teach them English, but they also take、mm-hmm. Chinese classes as well, and they learn. And they're all memorizing <laughs> these really long ancient poems, and it's like I could barely rem- memorize Me like、neither. one poem like ever in my whole life, and that these kids memorize like twenty poems, like. Every year, and it's just like wow. <laughs> Trust me, it, there it's easier for them than it is for us. We are like you know, our brain is not very good at absorbing hard facts、mm. anymore. Like nothing sticks <laughs>、uh, for them. They don't have to understand、uh, what the poems are talking about. That comes about. later. So at this stage, yeah, that co- they, it'll take years and decades、yeah. for them to find out what they actually oh, mean. Oh, that's what but, that meant. <laughs> but that yeah, but that's how life unfolds, right?、Mm, you build mm, and you build.、Mm. You don't digest everything. You learn,、um, but when they are little, it's、uh, it's a good time for them to、uh, store a lot of、uh, information. It's just easy for them, you know. Rather than listening to pop songs and memorizing that, <laughs> why not just memorize some poems? We were talking、uh, before this show started about how the topic today was going to take volumes of books,、mm-hmm. you know, and、uh, we have run out of time for Wait, today already. I feel like yeah. No, no, no. Wait, what? We just started. Oh no! <laughs> We just started. <laughs> no, because I feel like I haven't decided to、uh, on our topic today yet, <laughs> and now it's the end of the show. <laughs> well, we can definitely come back around to common prosperity、okay. again. I think it's a really interesting topic. A lot of people, I think, around the world, because this is a kind of model that a lot of other governments are actually looking to China and saying,、hmm. well, "Well, can we do that? How do we do that?" And they're like actually asking for help and like so- sort of replicating. The success that's going on here, so I think a lot of our listeners might be interested in, in us talking about this again. And then whoever is interested, you know, a textbook of ancient history will be thrown in front of them, and like, let's start from about three thousand years ago. <laughs> oh wow! Oh、right. wow! Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Jason. Lovely talking with you. Yes. Yeah,、um, talk to you next time. We'll see you guys. Bye.